Last week was the end of Eastertide, and Drew wrapped up a series of, of really masterfully walking us through the book of Revelation. And as he closed things out, he, he mentioned that we're living in the reality of Revelation 22, that we are, we are the Holy of Holies in the New Jerusalem, witnessing the, the river of life flowing from the throne of God to the nations. But how is that possible? And what does that look like? Well, I hope to answer that today. We'll see how the, the vision of, of heaven given to John is, is realized on the ground. So we're in Acts chapter 2 this morning. And let me start just by reading the first few verses again. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. But just to briefly back up, at the end of Luke's gospel, just before Jesus ascends to heaven, he instructs his disciples to stay in the city to stay gathered because, because he would be sending the promise of his father upon them and they would be clothed with power from on high. And when that day finally comes, everything changes. The spirit who, who first rushed over, uh, rushed like a mighty wind over the face of the deep at the beginning of creation is now being poured out to form a new creation. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and there's a lot to look at here. Um, originally, Pentecost was, was an Old Testament feast. It took place 50 days after Passover, and it marked the beginning of the harvest of, as a festival of first fruits. And unsurprisingly, the events of Pentecost recorded in Acts 2 took place 50 days after Jesus' resurrection. And, and there we see the first fruits of the harvest of the nations. This Pentecost meant so many things and fulfilled many types and prophecies from the Old Testament. And so we'll look at a few of those. But ultimately, Pentecost significantly marked the beginning of a new creation, a new humanity. Just as Yahweh breathed life into Adam, so the Spirit breathes into the disciples to make them live. So let's look at a, a few Old Testament fulfillments just to get an idea of the significance of this event we're looking at. And let's begin at the beginning with creation. On that day, as it says in verse 2 of Acts chapter 2, there's a sound like a mighty rushing wind that fills the house. And we know that this is the sound of the Spirit. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, it's the, it's the same Spirit in, in Hebrew, it's the word ruach, which is the same word for wind. It's the same spirit who in the beginning hovered over the formless void to bring form. Here at Pentecost, the spirit is being poured out to form a new creation out of the disorder of the nations. And we'll talk more about that disorder in a bit. 
Uh, when Yahweh comes to Adam and Eve in the garden, he comes in what, this, what the Bible calls the spirit of the day. And here, the Lord is coming again to visit his people, but, but not to curse, to bless. It says here in Acts 2 that, that this noise filled the entire house where they were sitting. We're reminded of the spirit glory of Yahweh that, that filled the holy of holies of the tabernacle in, in Exodus 40 and then the, temp, the, the temple in 2 Chronicles 7. And if we lay that over this story, we see that the spirit falls again, but not on a temple. It falls on the disciples. Right? Then, then a building, a place proper, but now the people of God themselves have become the new temple. The Holy Spirit consecrates a human house. He fills his people who are living stones of a new temple. Last Sunday was Ascension Sunday when the church uh, observes and celebrates the event of Christ's ascension into heaven where he was seated at the right hand of the Father to rule and reign. As Jesus uh, is priest, he went through the veil, entered the heavenly holy place, and took his seat on the throne. This will be very familiar if we look back to the scene at the end of 2 Chronicles 7, after the temple is dedicated. Yahweh assumes his throne in the Holy of Holies, and then he proceeds to light his altar fire from heaven. Fire comes before him and consumes the altar and sacrifice. And we see Jesus do the same thing. He takes his throne And fire comes out before him, comes down to light the sacrifice on the altar. But now the altar isn't made of bronze or stone and there's no animal sacrifice. Instead, Jesus ascends, takes his throne and lights his people on fire. Verse 3 of Acts 2 says that tongues as of fire appeared and rested on each one of them. The disciples are made to be the altars and the living sacrifices. And when this happens, when they're filled with fire, with the Spirit, they begin to speak in other languages. And and here things change. Now the link isn't back to creation or, or garden or tabernacle. Now we find that the background is Babel. As, as part of our readings, we heard the story of the Tower of Babel in the first nine verses of Genesis 11. So considering it's the title of the sermon, I want to spend some time looking at how Pentecost is a, is a great reversal of the events at Babel. Genesis 11 describes a, a building project of really of epic proportions. And we read in verse 4 that the, the project had, had two dimensions to it. There was a city and a tower. And the tower was to be the the religious center or the heart, as it were, of an empire determined to dominate the earth. Verses 3 and 4 of Genesis 11. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. This project was was humankind's attempt to seize and secure power against the threat of divine judgment. But Yahweh comes down, 
Yahweh comes down to confuse their language in order to stop the building. And the people are scattered with their, with their plans to create a single world empire abandoned. And as a direct result, in the very next chapter, uh, Abraham is called away from Ur of the Chaldeans, which is the land of Babel. And we know that the call to, to leave land and family to a place that Yahweh would show him was the beginning of a new nation being formed, right? It, it, it's declared by covenant that through Abraham, Yahweh would bless all the nations of the earth. So God now takes on a building project, the, the building of, of a people, of a nation. And see, under this old covenant, God accomplished his will and work through this one nation, this one holy language. And although Israel failed in her duty to make God known to all people, to all nations, God's plan never changed. His promise to Abraham remained. And so the prophets, they looked to the day when, when all nations and tongues would be united in the worship of the Lord. They looked to the reversal of Babel. In Zephaniah 3.9, God says that he will restore the speech of the peoples to a pure speech, that all may call upon the name of the Lord. So Luke writes of Pentecost as a sign of the fulfillment of these promises. The outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost began this greatly anticipated day. Now, because of the work of Jesus and and by the power of the Spirit, the works of God are declared in many languages and dialects, many nations. And actually, verse 5 of Acts 2 tells us that people from every nation under heaven were present on that great day. Pentecost is the uniting of the scattered families of humanity. Pentecost is, is an ordering of the disorder, disordered nations of Babel, just as the Spirit brought form and order to the formless and disordered creation. But it isn't accomplished by the willpower and domination of man, as was attempted at Babel. This, this unification is accomplished through the Spirit of God coming down and being poured out as a refining fire and breath that gives new life to everyone. And notice that even though in in Pentecost we're seeing the story of Babel reverse, we don't see a return to one language. The the multitude of languages is, is preserved as a sign of the goodness of human diversity. Now united. And, and human unity is achieved, again, not through the domination of a single human effort or in the tearing down of cultural difference, but in the joyful worship of God in many tongues. In verse 11 of Acts 2, the people say, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed. It's in the joyful worship of God. This miracle at the outset of the church where everyone heard the gospel in his own language was proof that God was tearing down cultural and ethnic division imposed at Babel. This is the promise of the prophet Joel 
realized. And, and Peter preaches this prophecy to a skeptical people in Acts 2. God is pouring out his spirit on all flesh. And in doing so, he reveals that his church is not defined by language or culture, but by common faith in and worship of the Messiah. Take careful note that God was tearing down cultural and ethnic division, not differences. Those differences remain, and and they're beautiful, and they're intentional by God's creative and sovereign power, and the Spirit enables us to work through them for the sake of the gospel to be known. This great reversal of Babel is is put on display in chapter 7 of the book of Revelation, where we see the great multitude of every nation gathered before the Lord's throne, worshiping him. We see it again in Revelation 22, as Drew pointed out last week, that, that the water, the holy water flowing from, being poured out from the throne of the Lamb is for the nations. So the church that was created at Pentecost, the same church that is a, that is a reality for us today, stands in, in dramatic contrast to the project of Babel and all attempts to pick up this false ideal and repeat it. Even though in Acts 2 the nations are gathered, it, it isn't for the purpose of, of an imperial uniformity as at Babel, but, but rather the church, though now united, is scattered to the nations where where it journeys amongst all human differences with its good news. And this is a powerful thing because it puts on display God's character and his resolve against the empires of man. To quote theologian Alistair Roberts, present within all nations yet belonging to none. God's worldwide kingdom cannot be contained, controlled, circumscribed, replicated, or assimilated by any other power. As the church is unashamedly present throughout the world, God's achievement of of the work of his spirit is, is propped up for all to see. Even though uh, the church is, is scattered, it, it is united by the Spirit as God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. As the church, we are the people of Pentecost, and our work and duty is to reveal the reality of God's kingdom. We are to be a place where, where the nonsense of hostility between all different peoples is is put to death and that the many tongues of humanity are united in the worship of their maker. This is our work. And there's plenty of it at hand. There is no shortage of tower building today. Just browse some headlines. But even so, we proclaim by our existence and our work as Christ's church that the kingdom belongs to God. That none other than King Jesus rules over all the nations. This isn't to be taken lightly because we will witness the empires of this world being kept in their place as God's sovereignty is 
displayed through his church. I'm sure you would agree that this all sounds great, but how then are we to live? In light of Pentecost, in light of the Holy Spirit being poured out upon all flesh, what now? And in closing, I, I want to just very briefly look at one place where the Apostle Paul gave some implications for Christian living in light of Pentecost. Because of, of Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension, and through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we are, worldwide, we are experiencing new creation. Paul in 2 Corinthians 3 tells us that there was a contrast between old and new covenants in terms of their, their writing. The old covenant had the law on, on tablets of stone. But in the new covenant, the spirit comes to write on tablets of, of human hearts. To enable those who, who receive the spirit to then obey the law. For Paul, Pentecost makes all the difference because the spirit gives life. Those who turn to the Lord who is spirit. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 can stand before the glory of God and be transformed into the same image of that glory. Pentecost makes all the difference. Again, that sounds great, but what does it mean practically? Well, Drew showed us last week that we have the blueprints for the church. And we are to be faithful laborers and and builders. We are now joining God in in his building project that does stand in direct contrast to the world's tower building. If Pentecost makes all the difference, how exactly do we go about this building process? Well, when we look to the pattern of, of Paul's letters alone that Christ has come to die and rise again and the spirit has been freely given, it means we are free. To, to live glad and joyful and obedient lives. It means living patient and productive and loving lives. Parents loving children. Children obeying parents. Husbands loving wives and wives showing loving respect for their husbands. Employees and employers working in mutual respect. It means that we are actively producing the fruit of the Spirit in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we can do all of this confidently knowing that, that through us as his church, Christ is building his kingdom in all nations, by the power of his spirit, not man's. I'll quote Drew one more time. He said last week that with every act of Christian faithfulness, the kingdom comes. With every act of Christian faithfulness, the kingdom comes. We have been given a task And and through God's grace set into motion at Pentecost, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to work to that end. Jesus has given his spirit to indwell us, the new temple, so that we can live full and and joyful and abundant, obedient lives. 
In our gospel reading from from John 14, Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. What a beautiful promise. The Spirit is given so that we can be fully human, gathered together as his people for, for his purpose, for his kingdom, and for his name alone. If you've read the first page of your bulletin this morning, then you know that the, in the church calendar, Pentecost Sunday is followed by the season of Pentecost. And in this season, we, we shift our focus to, toward living ordinary yet spirit-empowered lives in light of the death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. So may we wear this calling with obedient joy. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for Pentecost. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit, the helper, to make us into a new creation, hosts of the living God. Your word says in Psalm 46 that your holy habitation will not be moved because you are there. Thank you that by your spirit, your presence has been poured out and you are strengthening and uniting your holy habitation, your church, even when it doesn't feel like it. We trust in your good and sovereign work. Help us to faithfully join you as co-laborers in your kingdom. We pray all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.